You're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing and business from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashley Mae Fernandez, and this is the only show where making a disruptive noise smells like success. Each week, I interview high-level disruptors who are making a big stink in their industry by doing things their own way while you listen in and ask a question or two. Talk show, live studio audience style. Expect all things marketing, messaging, money, and mindset, and only strategies that don't include farting and darting or treating your clients like an afterthought. So if you're ready to stop farting around and actually scale your business, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I have an amazing person here with me today. Vince and I connected through Facebook, and we jumped on a call, and he quickly became one of my favorite people ever. So we are going to be talking today about basically how to get someone to tell you how to market to them. (laughs) Like what to say in your marketing, right? Like how to get your ideal clients to tell you exactly how to market with them. With Vince, I'm going to do a quick introduction of Vince, and then I'm going to turn it right over to you, Vince, (laughs) to kind of walk us through because I'm so excited about this topic. So Vince Warnock, did I say that correctly? Is it Warnock? It is Warnock. Well it done. Sounds very, you know, that sounds very Star Warsh. He is a huge <laughs> Star Wars fan. You can't, <laughs> if you're listening, you can't see, but he has all these Star Wars things behind him on his desk <laughs> and behind his desk. So he's a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a great last name to be a Star Wars fan. I think it sounds very like like it belongs in a Star Wars movie for some reason. But you have literally just made my day. <laughs> that, that is the best quote ever. <laughs> just so happy. Yes, yeah, seriously, it does. And then we have we have Baby Yoda and all that stuff too. But yeah. yes. So, anyways, Vince Warnock is an award-winning business and marketing strategist, coach, author, and host of the Chasing the Insights podcast. He is an ex-radio announcer, and he totally has the voice to prove it. You'll hear. Um, <laughs> with over 20 years in marketing, he has been recognized by his peers with numerous awards, including being named a Fearless 50, which is a program designed to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world who are driving the bold, fearless marketing and digital transformation. He has also founded multiple companies, including Chasing the Insights Podcast and Academy, where he empowers entrepreneurs and business owners to make sense of marketing and to grow the business they have always dreamed of. I don't even think that introduction does you enough justice. <laughs> because it's just, me blush. You're just so awesome. First of all, I want to know, can you tell us a little bit more? Because 20 years experience in marketing is phenomenal. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that and then how you maybe started to transition to the online space as an entrepreneur versus kind of staying in the corporate world. I'm assuming you came from corporate. Yes, kind of in and out of actually corporate and entrepreneurial. I think actually my first entrepreneurial activity was when I was 11. I I got a Commodore 64. I I managed to get myself a Commodore 64 and realized that all of the games and all the software were on cassette tapes. So my first business was pirating software and (laughs) video games for all of my friends. I made so much money. But by the way, back then I had no moral compass. I did not know this was illegal. I did not know any. So please don't judge me. No, no judgment. I mean, we all used to use like LimeWire back in the day where we would oh, download yeah, yeah. music illegally. So I mean, hey, we're, we've are we all been there. It's okay. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, you young folk with your LimeWire. Um, yes. Yeah, so, now, but I did, I actually started out training as an electronics and computer engineer because I was going to be the guy that made all the gadgets for James Bond or Batman. 
till I realized that's not a viable career option at all. So I was like, okay, I need to do something different. But I got into electronics engineering because of a passion for technology. Mm-hmm. I loved what technology did. I loved how accessible it made things to people. I loved how easier it made our lives. But then realized very quickly that that wasn't my true passion. That was just part of it. My true passion was actually people and understanding how people work, understanding why they think, why they act the way that they do. And then over my career, it kind of converged together. Technology and human behavior was like, oh, hello, this is digital marketing. So (laughs) so that kind of birth, I kind of found out I was accidentally a marketer and then kind of started doing websites for people, things like this, and then discovered I was actually really good at this. And and that kind of blossomed that career. So I went into corporate life. Then I would leave there to start something new, build a company. A few of the early ones failed miserably. That was so much fun. Uh, and then finally managed to get some successes and discovered again, that was something that I was really passionate about. I had sold one of my largest companies about, oh my goodness, about seven years ago. I decided to give that up because I wanted to spend more time with my family, sold that, and then found myself at Cigna Insurance as the chief marketing officer. And that was my foray back into corporate. And I thought that's where I'm going to stay. And at the end of five years there, I'm like, what am I doing? I am not being myself. I'm on that corporate grind. I feel like I'm being inauthentic because, you know, when you're a C-suite executive, unfortunately, and this is just part of the course with those kind of roles, you're really quite far removed from the impact that you're making. And in a lot of cases you treat it like even your own staff members are treated like dollar figures or numbers. And that felt very unaligned with who I am personally. I'm somebody who needs to be where I'm impacting people, needs to be where I'm helping people. I know I'm called to that. So I just realized that it doesn't matter how much they pay me. And boy, they pay a obscene amount of money, <laughs> but it doesn't matter how much they pay me. I'm not fulfilled at all. So I decided to throw it all in. And the goal was really simple. I was just going to write my next book. I was like, right, I'm taking all this time. I'm just going to focus on doing that. I don't need a job or anything. So this is going to be fun. That very quickly morphed into two books at the same time, which I'm still writing at the moment, launching my podcast, doing a couple of virtual summits, meeting awesome people like you, Ashley, uh, and then accidentally finding out that I'm a marketing coach because all these people (laughs) went, hey, you got time on your hands, help. (laughs) So, So especially through a pandemic, being able to be there for entrepreneurs and business owners, it was an incredible feeling, like seeing people in the midst of like anxiety, in the midst of stress, in the midst of chaos, going, hey, I don't know what's happening with my business. I'm not generating any money at all. All my revenue streams have ceased, but I still have all the same overheads. I'm probably going to have to give it up. And I'm like, hang on, hold my beer. Let's do this. So we jumped in and went, right, let's make this happen. So I started helping people, getting alongside them and saw businesses transform and turn around completely. And in one case, even triple their revenue from what they were earning before. And I was like, damn, turns out this isn't actually that hard. When you apply apply the basic principles that we all know and you actually support them, they get the breakthroughs. So that kind of birthed what I'm doing now. And honestly, the last year and a half have been, or year and a quarter, whatever we're at now, actually, has been the most fulfilling time of my life. It's just been such a crazy and awesome ride. I love that. And I, I relate to a lot of that story. I'm only 31 and you're older with so lots, more, lots more wisdom than me, but <laughs> yeah. I felt very much so, excuse me, I felt very much so the same in corporate that it was, I just felt very out of integrity with a lot of ways things were operated. And I was a market, I was the marketing manager. And so I had to, I ran a team of 50 people and I also was in charge of hiring and firing and 
I remember doing interviews and just loving the person. And then I had to like send it into, you know, high up like the headquarters and they would come back and be like, no, this wasn't a good fit. And I'm like, why are they not a good fit? And they're like, well, they don't fit our brand. And they only meant that for how they looked or different things. And I was just like, this is so awful. Like I did not love it at all. And so I very much quickly found myself being an internet marketer as well because yeah. I didn't realize, you know, I had started a blog. Like I was just like, I need a fun thing to do on the side. And I just decided to start a blog and uh, replace my nine to five income in a year with a blog. And then all of a sudden people are reaching out, how did you do this? And I was like, oh, it's just marketing. You don't know how to do that. And they're like, no, no idea. And so then of course I had people reaching out, like, how can you help me do this? I want to do this. And then that kind of turned into consulting and then five, six years, almost six, actually it is six years. It'll be six years. Oh, it was six years in March. I was like, wait, wait, it's April now. So yeah. So I had, it's been six years since I've been doing this and I'm like, oh man, I just didn't realize, but (laughs) so totally relate to that. Totally relate. And I love that so much. And I can only imagine, and for me personally, I can only imagine that you feel the same is when you kind of transition from the corporate to the online world, it is just so different. Like all of the marketing tactics and strategy is the same, but it's just so much more, I think, nuanced, if that makes sense. Because you are dealing one-on-one with people versus this like huge company. And I know for me, I just feel so much more fulfilled working one-on-one, but it was a huge culture shock coming from corporate to the online space. I was like, what did I do to myself? But it's a lot. Oh my goodness. Yes. I I think the first, probably the first three weeks after I left Cigna um, and I left just before COVID kind of hit. So perfect timing. They were contacting me. Hey, can you come back and give us a hand? I'm like, no, your problem now. (laughs) Seriously, I'm out. They don't appreciate how much you do until you leave. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But that, that first three weeks though was just I, I think I walked around our house so many times just going, what the hell am I doing? Like, seriously, <laughs> what, am I what? insane? Because yeah. <laughs> when, when I left there, I told the CEO that I was leaving. And so she was trying to make everything work. It was like, hey, can we put you down to part-time? And I'm like, really? We're asking my team to work extra hours. And I'd be going down to part-time. How would that look? And she's like, oh, damn it. Well, maybe take three months off and then come back, you know, write your book and come back to us. I'm going, first of all, three months to write a book. Are you nuts? Um, But second, that'll mean that we launch all of this stuff and I come back and say, hold my beer, I've got this now. I said, that's just, again, a really bad look. I said, when I know the right thing to do, I need to do it. And she goes, yeah, but that means we lose you. And I went, yep, that's right. Mm. But they all said to me, they literally, a whole pile of the senior leaders all just said, you are insane. Like, you're not going to, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done, Vince, because, you know, you're leaving a really secure, really high paying job. And I'm like, yeah, guys, I don't care about that. I don't care about money. I don't care about the security. All of that stuff will sort itself out. I care about people and I care about impact. And I'm not doing any of those things here. So this is why I just love you so much and what you do. (laughs) And even that, when you do actually go out and create your own business and make way more than you did in corporate, people yeah. still tell you, you need to go back and get a steady job. I think yeah. I hear that from my mom at least once a month. I just don't know why you don't go back and get a, get a steady job. I'm like, mom, I make like five times what I made in corporate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't understand why. They can't <laughs> get their head around today. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's 
you know, people will always think that and, and it's yeah. fine. I'm just kind of like, nah, it's the, okay. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. But the I best quote book. I heard, Ashley, the best quote I heard was someone said to me, you need to go and get a real job. You know, it's time to grow up. And I'm like, well, a <laughs> real job and B growing up. I'm never growing up. I am a giant kid. I'm a kid in an adult's body and that's never going to change. <laughs> so. that is, yeah. I love that. And I think, and I think that is just really, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to have that spirit. You have to have yeah. that. If I don't care what you're thinking, like, this is what I'm called to do. I'm going to go do it. And I just absolutely love that. So I do want to get into our topic today okay. because it's a really, really good one. And I first want to tell, I, well, I first want to ask you, how do, I'm just going to ask you point blank, and then you can kind of go <laughs> into the details. So how do you get people to tell you how to market to them? And I think I have an idea, but I want to hear what you say. The, the shortest answer possible, which really doesn't do it justice, is just ask them. But really, there's some, <laughs> some art form to it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I don't even know, Vince, if you're on my email list, but I I talked about this in my email list, inviting people to, to join in on this call because we do this kind of a live studio audience yeah. style. So anyways, also, if anyone who is here listening, if you have any questions at any point, drop them in the chat and we can, we can answer them through that. But uh, I even talked about how you just said the answer is just ask them. And so my mind immediately went to market research and I have such a negative connotation against market same. research because, okay, and I knew you'd be on the same page. And I talked about this in the email and I said, because a lot of people, I remember my very first coach that I hired, I hired a marketing coach because I was like, I'm good at marketing, but we're always good. What we're good at is very hard for us to do. And I remember yeah, yeah, exactly. wanting her to go through my ideal client. And I said, so I know there is a little off. I just need you to see the blind spot. She says, well, I think you need to go post in groups in Facebook groups and get on calls with people and just do some market research. And I'm like, <laughs> no. And so she's like, no, don't, we're not going to talk about this again until you do that. And I was like, I should have known then that this was not the perfect fit coach for me. <laughs> but so I went and I, I posted in Facebook groups and I was like, is anyone willing to get on a call with me for 20 minutes? And I'll give you, I'll pick five people to give a Starbucks gift card to just to, yeah. you know, entice them to get on the call. I don't call for with 20 people and each person I got on a call with, we were on there for at least 30 minutes to an hour. So I spent all of that time. Yeah. And I got nowhere close to what I wanted to do because everyone that I got on calls with were, they just wanted something for free. They're like, oh, you're a marketing strategist and you're a marketing consultant. I need help with my marketing. So they kept on this call thinking that they were going to get a free marketing strategy or something. Yeah. And so every single person, even one person was like, oh, I'm only here because you offered something for free. Ugh, and, yeah. I, and even in the post, I put details like, do not get on this call unless you have already hit six figures in your business. Do not get on this call. This is not for you. And of course, one girl was like, oh, I've only made about probably $6,000 in my business total. And I've been in business for four years. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a waste of my time. <laughs> well, so anyways, I guess I, there's a six in their figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a six in there, I guess. Yeah. So I am such a negative connotation against that type of market research. Now market research done the right way is great. And so even in the yep. email inviting people to this call, I said there was a huge difference between that type of market research because that just gives you information. Yep. And information is not the same as insight. Yes, and I thought exactly. you would love that since yes. you're facing the insight. So I kind of just made that up off the top of my head, but I'm like, I know this is going to totally correlate with, with what Vince is going to say. So I'm just- We are far too aligned, Ashley, far too aligned. I knew it, I knew 
know it. I know it. So yeah. Can you even explain the difference? Like explain the yeah. difference of what you think information is as to insight and then kind of get into how to actually get the insight instead of the information. Um, yeah. so you can, you can talk to people in your marketing. Yeah. They can tell you. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, the difference is really, really simple. So information is literally, and you'll see this so many times. Like on, honestly, I would get my team to go out and do market research. We hate the term, but they would go out to do market research. And every single time they would do the same thing. They would go out there and they would ask questions. Those questions were designed to elicit a certain type of answer and their own cognitive bias will be involved in this, their own kind of like half the time they'll go out there and basically in, in many different ways, they would just ask the same question, which is, do you agree that what I'm doing is really, really good? <laughs> and, <laughs> and that is not insights. There's not information. So one of the things I had to teach them was that it's not about asking the questions. It's about getting people to tell stories. Mm-hmm. It literally is conversational, but you, you spend very little time actually communicating. It's the person asking, uh, telling you stories and you getting insanely curious about every detail in that story. So it's actually going, okay, so for example, if I was, you know, I'm a marketing coach. So if I'm, if I'm interviewing somebody, if I'm talking to somebody, then I would sit down with them and go, okay, first of all, tell me in your experience what marketing is. And then I go, now tell me some of the challenges you've had and get them to like explain that. And every time they're talking about that and they go, oh, well, you know, I just don't know where to start. Well, what does that feel like? Like when you're in that space, what does that feel like? Like talk me through what was going through your head when you thought this or talk me through where you were. Actually get them to paint a complete picture about this, right? So, okay, where were you sitting when you realized you needed to reach out to somebody? What was going through your head at that time? Were you frustrated? Were you like, talk me through all of this? And then what made you go, like take, talk me through the steps that got you to where you are now. Talk me through. So what you want to do is get them to paint this kind of almost beautiful picture about where they were, what they were thinking. And your goal, it's really simple. You want to get beyond any of the marketing speak that we do, anything. You want to record the conversation. You want to get inside their head and you want to think the same as they're thinking. You want to feel the same as they're think, uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is I, I used to do this for market research, actually. So in fact, I'll take you all the way back. Um, when one of my first ever companies, I thought was going to be like the the you know multi-billion dollar company. It was a, a mobile app that was going to, it was a game where you put iPhone users versus Android users back in the heyday of when Android had first come out. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. You would literally battle people in your neighborhood that had the opposite type of phone from you and you would dominate your area for it. It was like, this is going to be huge. Not realizing, by the way, that Apple do not like being compared with anyone and they squashed that so quickly. <laughs> but the theory theory was really good. So I knew that I had to validate my market offerings. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to build this, I need to go out there and validate it. So we were in this startup weekend environment. So you're supposed to build a company in 72 hours. So we're like, right, I had the team working on this. And I'm like, I've got this, guys. I'm going to grab a clipboard. I'm going to grab a pen and some paper. I'm going to go out on the street. I'm going to interrupt people and ask them you know, some questions to validate what we're doing is really, really good. First thing I encountered was my own cognitive bias, like immediately going, I want to prove that this is right because I, I think this is a good thing. That was terrible. Second thing I realized is um, I learned so many new swear words, mainly because I'm interrupting people who are walking from point A to point B, carrying a clipboard, which means immediately I inter- immediately annoyed them. And second, they all thought I was either a crazy street preacher or somebody asking for donations. And I was like, this is a complete and utter failure. Like, what am I doing here? Like, and I was feeling really sorry for myself. And I remember thinking, man, what do I need? I need somewhere where there's a captive audience. Like, I need somewhere where people would willingly give up their time in exchange for, you know, me talking through all this stuff. 
So I was like, oh, well, I need to think about this. So I went and got myself a coffee and I lined up in this cafe and I'm standing in line for about five minutes, still thinking to myself, where am I going to find a captive audience? Hmm. And I'm waiting and waiting. I get to the counter. I order my coffee. Then I'm standing with the, there with all this bunch of people waiting five minutes for my coffee to be made. And I was like, just about to leave the cafe. And I, I went to walk out the door and you could almost, if you, if I was on camera, you would have seen it. I would have went, wait a minute, captive audience. I've just been in a cafe for 10 minutes with all these people who can't go anywhere, all standing <laughs> around, not knowing what to do. Yeah. So I went back, ordered another coffee, but I, ch- I changed it up a bit. And I said to the people in line, I said, hey, look, can I just buy you a coffee? I'll pay for your coffee. If you just give me a few moments of your time, I just want to talk through some stuff. And they're like, yeah. And I got them and like accidentally did this right. I got them to tell me stories about apps that they had purchased in the past. Like when you purchase an app, what, what, what do you look for? Like talk me through what you were thinking. What ones have you purchased? And they'd tell me and I go, what made you want to buy that? Oh, I met a need that I had. Okay. You know, have you got any entertainment ones you bought this one here? What made, Oh my goodness. It was so much fun because somebody told me about it and I was like, okay. So it was all, all peers telling you, you know, what were you thinking when they told you this? Oh, I, I felt like I was missing out. Like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So it was all these kind of stories that they would tell me, but then I inadvertently found the actual secret to all of this. So getting the, getting all that information is great and it does benefit you. But again, it really is just market research. The gold wasn't that. The gold wasn't even necessarily getting inside their head and getting the stories and things. The gold was in the words that they were using. And this mm-hmm. was the biggest thing. So what I, what I discovered, because I would record every call, I'd ask them obviously that I could record it. I'd record every single call. And what I found listening back to it was they would tell me exactly how to market to them. Because mm-hmm. they would explain the problem in their words, not my words. Mm-hmm. They would explain the solution in their words often as well. They would explain exactly like you, they would give you all of the verbatims you need for any of your marketing. And by the way, despite knowing this, despite you know, learning this many, many years ago and using this in every business I've built and every company I've been part of and trying to teach people all of this, I still fall for it myself. I remember yeah. there's a couple of little old ladies in Melbourne and they'll, they'll kill me for calling them little old ladies. They run a knitting cafe there and I've been supporting them and coaching them. And one of the things I realized is we, we I got them to launch a website because they had no, no revenue during lockdown at all in Melbourne and Melbourne, their lockdown was like a year long. So they had no way for people to come to them, for people to buy any of their products, for people to, you know, get a, get a coffee or learn how to knit or, or all these different things that they did. So I said, right, the first thing we need to do at least is get you some form of revenue. So can we take all of your products and put them online? So I taught them how to use Shopify. They built the website themselves. It was awesome. But then I realized nobody could find them, right? They launched in their Facebook group, which went really well. And they got a lot of, lot of sales in the first two weeks, which was awesome. But then I thought if they really want to scale this, they're going to have to do some work on organic search. So I remember sitting there on this call with them and it was a facepalm moment. I said, right. First problem we've got is you've got an organic search issue, right? So I want to do an SEO audit on your website and I'm going to come back. And what we're going to do is put in place a strategy so we can get you higher up the rankings so people will find you better. And they both look at me completely blank. And I was like, and one of them just went, look, love, we don't care about any of this. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, we just want to be found on Google. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I went, okay, let's flip the switch on, uh, switch on this. So I said, okay, how about this then? you're not getting found on Google. And they went, yeah, that's right. And I went, so I'll find out why you're not being found on Google. Yes, please. And then we'll get you found on Google. Take my money. I'm like, oh my so goodness. Like, just, so yeah. That is yeah. so true. And, and it's funny too, because a lot of the times as well, when people are doing market research, 
you have to dig deeper, right? I think my clients get super annoyed with me because I'm always go deeper, go deeper, 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 deeper. deeper. I, I literally am screaming like deeper, deeper, deeper. Yeah. And because sometimes you could ask someone, well, how did that make you feel? And they'll say, well, it made me feel horrible. Okay. Can you describe horrible for yeah. me? Tell me a little bit, or is there any other time in your life where you felt horrible? Explain that situation to me. Don't just say you feel horrible. And I see this, oh my gosh, I see this all the time in marketing, their messaging, right? Yeah. Like if I'm reading a sales page or I'm reading someone's post, I want to scream because I'm like, okay, you're saying I help you get over anxiety. Anxiety for me looks 5 million times different than anxiety yeah. for, you know, Ashley, who's also on this call, right? It looks totally different than for Brittany. My anxiety looks so different. I, anxiety is just the word, but you have to dig, 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 dig yeah. deeper. And I also love that you, what you kind of talked about earlier, because you're telling her, you're telling her the details of what you know, right? You were telling them the details yep. of the SEO and all that. But in their mind, the only thought they had was we're not on Google. I want to be on Google. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to speak to their thought. Yes, and I, and I scream that all the time. You have to think to their thought. And when you know what they're thinking, everything else will fall into place. And you can go a lot deeper if you actually know what they're thinking, because the thought drives everything. And people don't realize that people think, yeah. oh, they feel this way. They think they need to take these actions. And if they take these actions, they'll get this result. And then once they get that result, then they'll have a thought about it. I'm like, absolutely not. The thought has to come first. I love that you said that because I know I've gotten mixed up into it as well of like, okay, guys, this is how you have to do it. And then sometimes I get blank stares and they're like, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it that you want? And then they'll say, and I'm like, that's exactly what I just said, but okay. Yeah, I, have yeah, to yeah. Say differently, right? <laughs> I have to say it differently in their words. And I also love that you said, you know, your story of being in the coffee shop and just saying in line saying, Hey, I will buy your coffee. If you just give me five minutes of your time to ask you, a yep. few market research questions. Oh, I would hands down do that. That would be so easy. But so I love that you did that in person. So now my question is, I'm sure people who are listening to, um, we have a lot of online entrepreneurs. How would you find, how could you translate that to online yeah. um, and do it the right way? Because earlier, you know, we talked about Facebook groups and asking questions in Facebook groups, but that doesn't get very specific. No, Ashley said, love that question. So I knew someone probably had that question because that would be the question that I would ask. So do you have any tips on how to kind of correlate that into find that actual captivated audience in the yeah. online space? I think the first thing, the translating it to online space is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So the coffee line test concepts, you know, when you can do face to face, particularly for business and consumer brands, that's really simple. And you like... Honestly, you see the face on a CFO when you go in and go, hey, I've just got all this qualitative research done. We just interviewed 40 people. And he's like, oh, good grief. How much does that cost? And you go, oh, I was only a couple of hundred dollars. And he's like, what? Like crazy, because you're just buying coffees. You're not paying, you know, $100,000 for a research company. Translating that to the business to business world was a little harder because you had to then you know, like hack events, essentially. You would turn up at events, walk the lunch lines, get people to fill out a survey, all those kind of things. But online is a very different proposition because it is the wild, wild west out there. And like you said, Ashley, you will end up, if you just post in a Facebook group and say, hey, I'd love to talk to you all, you will get a mixture of people. You'll get a whole pile of people that either want something free or are actually trying to use the time to sell you something, which oh, mm -hmm. that is the worst. I just, the, yep. the I spammers and the, 
Yeah. I got pitched like three times on those calls. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, no, no, no. This is not what this calls for. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and they did a bad job of it. <laughs> they did a really yeah, bad exactly. job. I'm like, actually, you should hire me so I can help yeah. you learn how to pitch. <laughs> But no, no, yeah, I, I totally get you. I get what you're saying. I was going to say, you're the only person I know that can turn spammers into clients. I love it. <laughs> but um, but yeah. the thing that I've recorded, the thing that I've realized about translating this to the online space is you have to become a hunter. So forget mm-hmm. just, you know, spray and pray and go, okay, I'm going to put it out there and get people to come to me. You actually have to look for the people that you think fit what you need. So it would actually, like, I'd be going to the Facebook groups, but doing a different approach and actually looking in there at the questions people are asking, looking at the way they're answering those questions and actually reaching out to them directly and saying, look, you know, basically apologies for reaching out to you directly, but I saw your post on here and I'd love to talk to you a little bit about this. I'd love to, I'm not selling you anything. I'm just doing some market research. I'd really love to pick your brains. People actually really like being respected. People like that their Mm -hmm. opinion is actually valued. So in a lot of cases, you will find people are happy to give you their opinion, but you've got to be respectful up front and and let them realize, by the way, you're not selling anything to them because um, a lot of spammers will use similar techniques and you're like, oh, good grief. Mm -hmm. But it's actually finding the right people yourself and reaching out. It's not, this is the beauty, it's not a full numbers game. You're looking at qualitative, not quantitative. So, you know, when we're doing market research, you obviously you want, you know, a statistically significant volume. So you look at 500 to 1,000 people minimum, and you're going out there trying to get as much feedback from people as possible. But this is about the verbatims. It is about the words mm-hmm. that they're using. So this means you need to get very selective and pick a handful of people that will give you that information. And once you've got even just 10 people, the amount of like uh, correlation between what they're telling you, that, that sweet spot between the different ways that they're describing their problem and the solution or their problem and the challenges and their objections, all of that information, the sweet spot there is that, that kind of combination of those 10 people. I love that. You know, and I, as you were talking to, I thought, wow, that's really creative because he's basically letting everyone else kind of do the legwork. And then you're kind of going in and like picking up the crumbs of like, oh, yeah. okay, these people already answered this question. So they're open to actually giving feedback. How yeah. can I do that? I will say this was also a really creative thing that someone did to me. And I was like, oh, I actually have to use this. So one of my past coaches, his coach was creating a new program. And so he had reached out to my coach and said, hey, do you have any clients you've worked with that fit this criteria that would be willing to get on a call with? me?" So my coach reached out to me and said, hey, my coach is coming out with this. I think you would be a really great person to ask some questions. Would you care to jump on a call? And I'm like, absolutely not. Dude. So it was almost like I was doing him a favor and I knew I wasn't going to get pitched or anything like that. So I think that was really creative. So I've even used that with some of my one-on-one clients. I say, Hey, first of all, are there any past clients you've worked with that you can jump on a call and ask questions to? And then also, do you know anyone in your network who already serves someone similar to someone you want to work with? And reach out to them and say, hey, would you mind, do you have any clients that you're working with currently or in the past? Would you mind reaching out to them to see if like I could ask them a few questions? And you get so much better (laughs) candidates, I guess you would say, to talk to because they've already and and they've already had a lot of things in place verified, if that makes sense. Like you already know, okay, they've worked with this coach you know that they're at this certain level and it's not just screaming out to the wild, wild west, like you said, of saying, yeah. hey guys, come answer these questions and you can be a lot more, a lot more specific. Yeah. And so I've done that as well because I have a friend who is a mindset coach and she works a lot with entrepreneurs. And so I remember asking her, 
do you have any clients that would fit this criteria? Do you mind asking them a few questions for me? And she even kind of did some market research. I said, or do you have a, I have a survey. Would you mind sending this out? And then I can kind of weed through the ones I want to jump on calls with. And she's like, That's absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, yeah, I love that you said having like them do the leg work, the leg work yeah. for you, like having them do that, which is mm. you get a lot better fit. Mm. And I love that. So Ashley did ask a question in the comments. She said, "How do you get more specific for higher level people who seem out of reach?" And I will verify this question because I know who Ashley's referring to. I know a lot of us have higher level ideal clients, like multi six, seven figure, um, maybe even eight figure ideal clients who aren't really consuming online, correct? Like they don't have time. (laughs) They're like, no, I'm past the consuming. I'm focused on my business. So do you have any tips or strategies on maybe how to get more specific with them if you can't really reach out to them directly? Yeah, that is a very hard question. And back in the days where we could do things face to face prior to having to do everything online, that was that was also a hard challenge. We used to have this with one of my company's common ledger. We would deal with senior accounting partners and they have gatekeepers that will never let you through. So I, I learned, by the way, I learned how to hack this system. It didn't always work, but a lot of times it did. I would always ring five minutes before lunchtime because I knew these guys were like clockwork. So 12 o'clock, they would have their lunch. So five minutes before 12, I would ring and you get the receptionist. They go, welcome to blah, blah, blah. And, and I would I would put on a panicked voice and go, listen, has Paul left for lunch yet or is he still there? And she goes, oh, um, um, and you get them off guard. And oh then they go, oh, goodness. no, no, he's still in the office. You go, oh, my goodness, I thought I'd missed him. Can you put me through? And they go, sure. And as they're transferring you, you can hear the, wait, <laughs> it's too late. You're now on the phone with Paul. It's a very dodgy thing to do, guys, but it worked. The other thing we used to do is send handwritten notes to people, like handwritten uh, mm-hmm. invites to get them to go somewhere. So, hey, drinks are on us. We're in town. We'd love to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And the handwritten note, the personal aspect of that really did resonate with them. And of course, accountants, free drinking, they love that. So that kind of taught me when I'm translating that to the online space, it's really in the what's in it for them factor. So you really need to think through their life, think through the type of calls they would normally get, think through the amount of spam that they get, think through their daily routine, that kind of thing, and try and invade that space. So for me, one of the things I do, this is the beauty of having a podcast. I set up a podcast because I love doing it, but also it's given me an in with so many different people. I can reach out to someone and go, hey, I would love to talk to this person about getting them on my show. And then people are like, oh, oh, because, you know, that's giving them something for free where they get exposure and all this. They're like, yeah, okay, well, I'll I'll connect you. Next thing you know, you're on a conversation with them and there you're doing your market research. There you're getting the verbatims of how to connect with them. It's just thinking through how you're adding value to them up front. And I don't mean go and buy them a gift or anything. I mean, how are you improving what they're doing? How are you improving their life and still gaining the market research at the same time? I love the call scenario that is gold <laughs> that is so funny i think i would add to that if my brain like as i'm operating thinking like I, I, I process i'm a verbal processor as you were thinking as like, oh, or as you were talking i was thinking oh another creative way is invading their space a lot of the times is getting to the gatekeepers yes. right yeah. like you have yeah. to get to the gatekeepers and one of a really you know strategic way that i've done stuff for my clients is a lot of them aren't really on LinkedIn, but I'm like, go to LinkedIn and literally just type in a company. Yeah. Right. And start adding those people who work for that company. Like, okay. So for example, let's just say 
you want to get Tony Robbins on your show. I'm not a huge Tony Robbins fan, but let's say you want to get him on your show. Yeah. You can literally go to LinkedIn and type in Tony Robbins and it will, all the people who work for Tony Robbins will be up there. So guess what you can do? You can start making connections with them, add them. Then when you're reading content, Tony Robbins is not scrolling reading content, but the people who are on his team are, right? I love this, yeah. So they're going to see your stuff. And and if your stuff, if you're set out as an authority in your space and you're talking about disruptive things, like that is my number one thing is plant a pole in the cement get creative, talk about things that are disruptive and different from the industry. And you are going to get people's attention. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I remember being in a, I'm not a huge clubhouse fan either. I just haven't gotten into the app, you know, because I I don't have time to just sit and listen. I liked, and I also like to listen on three speed. So I cannot listen to slow talkers. I just cannot do it. (laughs) So I have to do three speed. But I remember being there one time and this one guy that was in the room was talking about how he wanted to get an acquisition with Nike. And so he ended up sending, connecting with all of these people on LinkedIn. I'm like, yes, that's right. Yeah, I would yeah. Do exactly what I would do. So then he said he ended up sending a video, a, a very well thought out video. Hey, thank you so much for connecting. I'd love to get to know more about you. Like just sending it and the video showing up in their inbox. He said he did it really creative and was like really fun. And he said, all of a sudden, you can see how many views get on the video. And the video started getting forwarded to all uh, these people in the company because they're like, look how creative this guy is. And he ended up getting um, a deal working, doing marketing with Nike's um, corporate team. And it, it was just insane. He sent just a simple video. And so that's another really creative way that I found yeah. is you might not be able to reach the high level person, but those high level people have teams, right? Like they always have some type of assistant or something and everything comes through that assistant. Half the time, the big name person don't even, they don't even know their schedule. Their assistant knows it better than they do. Right. Um, And so you have to kind of reach those gatekeepers and kind of wave the golden key a little bit, right? Like that's gatekeeper. And you're like, look, I got the golden key. I got what he needs. You know, I got what they need. Um, so yeah, that was a really creative, also really creative yeah. way that I found. To I do love that. I love that. Yeah. LinkedIn there's, is. There's another aspect to what you just said too, Ashley, which is the gatekeepers, by the way, get no love. If you think about it, most <laughs> salespeople, most marketers are just trying to get through the gatekeeper. So one of the techniques you can use is actually start valuing their opinion. Actually, like for you know, if you want to get to a specific person, you're Tony Robbins or whatever. I'm not a fan either. Um, but if you want to get <laughs> to Tony, I hope he's not listening to the show. <laughs> His ego is going to be de- deflated. Wait, Ashley and Vince are no, like, no. no, I'm sure. I'm sure he he does not care at all. But <laughs> exactly. that was the first name that's not that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I saw Tony Robbins, and then I was like, man, I should have said Gary V because Gary yeah. V is like amazing, right? But yep. um, that was just the, the first name that popped in. Popped into my Love head. It. I don't know why, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, okay. Say you want to get to Gary V and you're like, right, okay, I don't have any accessibility to him whatsoever. I I'm struggling to think how I'm going to add that value to him to be able to get time with him and everything. Think about his gatekeeper, think about their life, think about what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Actually reaching out to one of them and saying, Hey, I would love to be able to pick your brains. I would love to actually find out more about what you do and actually get into you, ask the questions of them, actually do the interview of them. And what you're doing in that, you're doing two things. You're building a rapport with them. You're showing your authority in there as well. You're valuing them. So automatically they have a connection to you. They feel like that you're somebody they can trust. 
And then at the end of that, you can always follow them up and go, hey, look, this was so valuable. Thank you so much. And in that, you could be even asking them how to get to, like, part of the question there is like, how many people do you have to kind of shield Gary V from? And, you know, what in your experience works and what blah, 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 and all this. So you're actually getting a whole pile of intel anyway. But then off the back of that, you can say to them, hey, I'd also love to find out from the other perspective there, is there any chance that Gary V would have some time to be able to sit on a call with me to uh, blah, 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 you know, like to, to talk through all this, you'll be surprised how many times things like that work. Like the fact yep. that you've actually valued a human being, you've actually yep. valued their opinion, you've taken the time for them, they will be more receptive to what you do. Yeah. And it's really funny too, because like I said earlier, the the gatekeepers or, you know, the assistants or the people who work behind the scenes, they are the one doing all of the work, yep. right? A lot yeah, of definitely. the time. And so you do get so much. And like, I honestly, I know like sitting here thinking, man, it would be amazing to talk to Gary Vee and get his brain. But imagine having the wisdom of the person who is behind the scenes and makes yes. everything work. Oh yeah. my goodness, that would be phenomenal. And you know, even just thinking of a personal example, you know, I love George Bryan. I'm in his mastermind. And a lot yeah. of the times I will message him saying, hey, what does your team do when it does this? He's like, I don't know, ask Tyler. <laughs> He's like, ask Tyler. And so I'm like over here reaching out, you know, to Tyler and who, you know, is works on his team where he's like, or ask Jay. And I'm like, oh, he's like, I don't even know, actually, to be honest. I don't know. Just go ask Tyler, go ask Jay. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I get on a call with them and they like give me all of this information. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, this is amazing. And I'm like, George didn't even know. Having that wisdom of those people and just, yeah, again, building that rapport. And it's just really cool. I, I love yeah. that. And you're exactly right. They don't get love. No, they don't. Right. And if you think about Every, it for a moment, if yeah. you're marketing to Gary Vee, for example, or George Bryant or whoever else, in reality, who gives them the information? Who tells them this is something they should be consuming? Who tells them? Yeah, it's, it's all the gatekeepers. So yeah. they'll tell you exactly how to market to them anyway. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Oh, such a good idea. Does anyone have any questions in the audience? I think we've covered... We've got this was a this was a like gold episode. I cannot wait to, to put this on there. Like, please listen to this again and take notes because if you guys are trying to all about, I think it's all honestly at the end of the day. And I don't. I, we talked about George and George is all about this like relationships, the algorithms. But really, at the end of the day, it is about relationships and listening. And I really yes. want to add one thing else. You said earlier you kind of went out and you first started marketing to almost prove that you were right. Yeah. You went in to say like, I'm right. And here's the thing. And I actually, gosh, man, I, I'm actually recording. I recorded a solo episode that will go out after this one about this, because this happened to me just this week uh-huh. is that I was listening to someone talk about something. And I just thought to myself, he is so wrong. And I started getting frustrated and irritated. And then when it came my turn to speak, I kind of like showed up with a very just in your face attitude and it was not okay. I was very disrespectful and rude. And, and then when I, I got really triggered by what he was saying and I sat back and especially why in the world are you being triggered by this? And I said, because of what he's thinking, I think what he's saying is wrong. And I said, Hmm. And what are you making that mean about yourself? I really asked myself that question. If he's wrong, if, if, if people, if I think he's wrong, that means I need to be right. And if people are listening to him thinking that he's right, that automatically makes me wrong. And so in my mind, I was saying, actually, no, I'm the one that's wrong. I'm the one that people are going to view as wrong. So I have to step up and start screaming so people can hear me to think that I'm right. And I sat there like, oh my gosh. And 
when you said that earlier, I was like over here, like, yeah, I can totally resonate. Yeah. We all do it. I mean, it's, we're, we're human beings, which makes us insecure. Like everybody has some level of insecurity. That's just fact. So and, you, you want to prove yourself right. And your brain is triggered that way. It's wired that way. It's actually going, okay, you have this thought process. So therefore I'm going to find every piece of evidence I can that that thought process is correct. I'm trying to back you up here. And yeah. through that, if you, if you stick to that, you miss all of the opportunities that are there. You miss the insights and the gold as well. Yeah. I'm not going to ruin what happened, but it was a really good, because I recorded a solo episode of, of it already. So I'm, I'm so going to be listening to that. <laughs> but it, what ended up happening was just so funny. And so it, it was just a really great ending to it. So, but yeah, so Ashley says she has a question. So cool. I'm going to bring Ashley on. I'm going to ask you to unmute Ashley. If you want to do video, you can, if not, that's totally fine. Okay. She came on video asked to unmute are you able to unmute there you go hello Ashley go ahead and ask your question oh my gosh okay super incredibly excited this was totally filled with gold so as I was running after my toddler and all of the things I was listening in and I was like yes this is so good so my question for you is that if you could recommend a singular resource or book to further go into this what would you recommend <laughs> Is it, is it wrong to rec request uh, to recommend my own book? Um, no, it's not. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Chasing the Insights is the book. Uh, it re it's about experimentation. So adding experimentation to uh, your marketing. But in there, the second, like the book's in kind of three parts. The second part of that book is really the mindset that's required for these kind of things. Because you need to be like, you need to train yourself to be insanely curious, like very, very curious. You need to be like pouncing on every little comment that they say. You need to be digging, as Ashley says, deeper and deeper and deeper. And I was trying to put on your accent. Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Go deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and so you need to cultivate that. But you also, there needs to be a level there of open-mindedness, which is removing all of those cognitive bias. It's actually getting out of your own head and going, it's okay if I'm wrong. It's okay. Like it's okay to be the dumbest person in this conversation. So actually sit there and just be so curious and go, you know what? I just want to absorb everything here. And in that, when you do that, when you train your brain for that and you go, okay, I'm going to be open to all the input that I'm getting, then you will find in there, you'll find all the things that you would have missed previously. You'll find those little insights and those little bits of gold. So I highly recommend my own book, Chasing the Insights. It feels so vain saying that. Actually. No, not at, <laughs> so all. Weird. not at all. I love um, that. And I don't know why I don't have it yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I'm be, highly insulted. No. I, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why do I not have this book yet? Can I get it on Amazon then? Yep, you can indeed. Well, okay. someone's already posted the link. You guys are quick. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Okay, cool. I will definitely go and get that too. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And thank you so much for asking that question, Ashley. Um, that's a really, a really great question. And as a fellow book nerd, I'm always looking for other books, which is why I'm like, why did I not already have your book, Vince? That's silly. You, you just assume that if I write a book, it's about Star Wars. That's probably no, why. <laughs> no, not at all. I know. And, I, I, and I'm going to just go ahead and admit that I am not the biggest Star Wars fan. My husband just oh. wanted to boo-hoo. He made me watch the first one, the very ever first one. And yep. I was like, what is going on with this? And he was like, I can't believe I married you. <laughs> Oh. Um, but yeah, it, and I have to say that was just last year was the first. Oh, wow. Time oh, wow. That's okay. So yeah, I still remember the moment with my daughter when, yeah, when she, she's 24 now, but she was about, oh, she would have been about probably 12 
And I, I said, right, we'll sit down and watch Star Wars again. And she was like, um, Dad? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I know you love Star Wars, but it's just not for me. <laughs> and, and my heart was like, oh. And my boy was six at the time. He turned around and he goes, but I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And you can see his face light up and he's going, yeah, I'm now the favorite child. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of feel your daughter on that. It's just not for me. Um, My husband loves it. My father-in-law loves it. They they will literally have marathons and watch them. Mm -hmm. They just love it. So, but I no no hate to anyone else out there. Again, open mind. Um, <laughs> totally fine. I just not, it's just not for me. Uh, but yeah, I love that. And this has just been so great, Vince. I have one last question for you. Also, oh wait, I want to add something else earlier too, because you were you said something like you said like spraying and praying or something. And yeah. I started laughing and I was like, oh yeah, that is like farting and darting, right? Like yep. posting your stuff and running away. Because that is my favorite phrase. And obviously I want to say it on like every podcast episode because it is true. <laughs> out there, quit farting and darting. Right. But anyways, you said that earlier and I was like, oh yeah, it came back to my brain. But okay. Last question I want to ask you, if there was one thing that you think everyone should do in business, like no farting around when it comes to it, like this is the one thing you really need to hang on to when you're scaling your business, what would that be? Oh man. See, I, immediately I'm thinking I should tie it to what we've been talking about here, but actually there's a, there's something else that I found has been like probably the most powerful thing I've ever done. And this was taught to me by somebody else. So uh, I don't know if you know the David Goggins cookie jar kind of method, you know, he talks about basically filling a jar full of positive things that you've learned and all this over your career. Well, I've done a different kind of version of that called an impact list. And basically as an entrepreneur, you all know we have these days where you wake up and go, what the hell am I doing? And you have those days where you're like, I can't do this, or I'm such an imposter, I'm such a fraud. Oh my goodness. You know, wh- why would anyone read my book? You know, why am I recommending my book on a podcast? You're a moron, Vince. Why do I have a podcast? Who's going to listen to my podcast? All those negative thoughts that we face um, often, that, that self-doubt that kicks in. So one of the things I've done for to help me deal with that is to write a list of all the people that I impact. And by that, I mean, I write down their name. I write down the challenge that they had, how I helped them and what the breakthrough was that they got. And, and you, you'll start, as soon as you start to write this list, you'll probably come up with maybe two or three people and you go, okay, there's my list. But keep expanding that list. And the more you think about this, the more you start to realize, you know, help the neighbor take out their trash because it was pouring with rain and they didn't have an umbrella or something, you know, or help the lady when she broke down on the motorway and pushed her car over into the side so she didn't have to get wet. All of those different things where you help people, you might not know their names in some cases, but write down this list. And what happens is when you have those bad days, when you have those days where you wake up and you're like, I can't do this today, you look at that list and two things will shift in you. One of them is immediately you will start to realize the evidence that's in front of you. Because often when we're feeling imposter syndrome, when we're feeling self-doubt, when we're feeling all of those kind of things that plague us, it is just that our thoughts are misaligned with the actual evidence in front of us. So that'll help you to get that aligned. It'll help you to go, well, you think that no one would ever read your book. Look at the feedback you've received. Look at how many people have transformed their lives and their businesses because of the work that you've done. So you'll start to shift that and that'll change your perspective slightly. But then the other thing that will happen is you will see all of these people on there and you'll start to realize it's actually not about you. And this is the hardest thing to face as an entrepreneur is it's about the people that you're impacting. So when you're having a bad day, when you're having those times where you can't show up and you can't do anything and you look at that list and realize, oh my goodness, so if I don't turn up, if I just give it up now, or if I just go, you know, I'm going to have a day where I'm having a sad sack and just feeling sorry for myself, 
all of those people, I'm denying those people the right to impact. I'm denying those people breakthrough. I'm denying those people what I have to offer. So that shifts the perspective from you to all of those people that you're helping. And one of the things that happens, if you know about how perspective works, you know, with your eyes, when you're focused inward, right? So you're looking inward, that's when you feel the self-doubt, you feel all those different kinds of things. But when you shift your focus to outward, you shift your focus to how you're impacting other people and them, then your own issues, your own kind of things suddenly become in your peripheral vision, which means they're blurred and you're no longer focused on them. So they have, they don't have as much hold on you. They don't have as much impact or power on you. So it sounds really kind of out there, but that is the one thing I think that's really helped me because, you know, like most people, I suffer from that as well. I deal with imposter syndrome regularly. When I left the job at Signal and everyone's telling me I'm nuts, I started to believe maybe they are nuts. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Vince? You're an idiot. <laughs> but I had to align that with the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think everyone at every level, I'm sure Gary Vee wakes up some days and thinks, yeah. Yeah, Man, his will have a lot more right? expletives in it. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's dropping a couple f bombs, but yeah, he you know he does. I'm sure everyone everyone feels that way. Yeah, and- well, I, look, I look at some of my heroes in the industry, and as soon as you get to know them and you get to like meet them, so I, I got you know we talked about in the bio around the fearless fifty thing. So this was like one of the biggest honors ever. So Adobe wanted to recognize the top fifty marketers in the world. They only chose the top twenty five to start with. They invited us all to speak at a conference, but didn't tell any of us what was happening. It was just, you have to speak at this conference. And I'm like, oh, okay. They were going to fly us over business class and put us in a nice hotel. And I'm like, that all sounds great, but I'll pay my own way because I didn't want anyone to think this conflict of interest, you know, because we dealt with Adobe. Um, Got over there and then they were recognizing us for our contribution to the industry, for the marketing industry. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by all the people I look up to, like all the people I've read all their books. I'm like, this, this is the greatest day ever. So I was in one of the sessions with, I won't name him actually, because I'm about to say something. I was in a session with somebody who I look up to and, and he started talking to people and he mentioned the stuff that I'd spoke about. And I was like, wait, what? And he saw me in the audience and he goes, oh my goodness, you're in here. And I went, yeah. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm bright red, by the way, I'm totally embarrassed. And he goes, you and I are going to dinner. And I'm like, Okay. So I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. So we went to dinner that night, him and me, and we're just chatting away. Then we went, we found a whiskey bar. I love whiskey. Found a whiskey bar. I did discover, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to every American listening to this, but Americans are lightweight drinkers compared to New Zealanders. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the British. Yeah. I, will, yeah. I will raise my hand over here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the funniest thing actually is I, I was sitting down with him having these whiskeys and he was loosening up hardcore and he started talking to me about his life and Next thing you know, he started talking about how his relationship's falling apart, how he's pretty sure his partner's going to leave him. He's really worried because he's got spendings out of control and he financially he's really struggling. And I'm going, hold on a minute. This is, this is somebody I look up to who I thought their entire life was perfect. I look at every Instagram photo of theirs. It's them in the, you know, on a private jet with a champagne or sitting in first class or sitting with some big celebrity. I think I saw them with Barack Obama. I'm like, oh, come on now. You know, and then met them and realized they're not even a jerk. How annoying is yeah, that? Like, yeah. I can't even hate them. You know, I happen to be a really nice person, damn it. But that's when I realized that all of us are the same. Like he is riddled with insecurities and doubt riddled with issues like the rest of us. He's just as much of a hot mess as we all are. So kind of accepting that is kind of the first step of going, okay, accepting that and then giving yourself the strategies to be able to deal with it. So it's so important. It is. It's, I love that so much because we just, I think a lot of times we put people who are more successful than us or make more money than us or who are further along than us, we put them on pedestals and really at the end of the day, they are just people just like us. 
Um, the humans. Yeah. And I remember just one last thing and then we'll, we'll end this because it's getting kind of long, but I remember our old, the old house that we used to live in across the street, they were filming this show called it's on HGTV, love it or list it, love it or list it is the show. And the guy, the two people who, who co-hosted, he was literally across the street and we were in the middle of selling our house. And my real estate agent actually came over to drop <laughs> off something for us. And she goes, oh my gosh, what are they doing? And I said, they're filming Love It or List It. The guy's been out there all day. And she was like, oh my God. And she goes, I love that show. That would be such an honor to meet him. And I was like, let's yeah. go. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, let's go. We can go over there. He's just a human. You can talk to him. Yeah. So we just went over and I just want to say, hey, we're huge fans. I just think it's so cool. You're literally filming outside of my window right now. This is so awesome. But it was just really funny because I have no, I literally have no thing <laughs> to ask anyone I'm, now. Because I'm like, they're just a human. You know, yeah. I don't go up and be like, can I have your autograph? Like screaming, you know, whatever. But it's just like, I'm, hey, the, I'm the same as you. Absolutely no shame. It does fall apart in one scenario though, because we, as me and Leanne were in Singapore, my wife, we're in Singapore and we're coming out of the hotel about to leave. And I look over and there's Elon Musk. And he's like, I'm, I'm talking like about, you know, probably 15 meters away from me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I took one step towards him. And immediately there were about five people standing there with their hands in their jackets. And I went, oh, OK, OK. He's got bodyguards and these people have guns. Yeah, oh. I'm not going to go near him. So yeah. maybe I'll leave. <laughs> that is very true, right? That is very true. But yeah, and I think too, just even with those higher level people, they want to be treated. Yeah, yeah. As a yeah. human. I know if I was really famous, I would. You are famous. I would actually. hate it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would know that they're like, I would really hate being, not that I wouldn't love my, you know, my fans. I don't like to even say fans. I like to say friends. I'm Not that I wouldn't yeah. love my friends, but I just. I don't know. I just wouldn't ever want to be looked at differently. I would want to be yeah. seen the same person who talks about farts and has a show called No <laughs> Fart Around, right? Like, I mean, we all fart. We all poop. Like, it's, it's fine. But yeah, anyways, this took a completely different turn, but I love the turn that it took, you know, ending on farts. But thank you so much, Vince, so, so much for this insight. This was so good. I'm probably going to have to listen. Well, I will listen to it again because I'm going to go through and make sure everything is edited well. We didn't hear the roosters. Um, crowing. If you can't see the video, I am sitting outside on my deck and our neighbor has a rooster. And so I told him earlier, if you hear roosters, just, you know, making noise because we live on a 10 acre like ranch. And so I said, if you, if you hear a rooster, I apologize. So there might be a rooster noise somewhere in, in this pot. I kept hearing him. I don't know if you guys could hear him, no. but I, heard him. I don't even know what his name is. I should name him, but yeah. I'll go back through and edit and I'll listen to this again because it was just really, really good. But thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your insight. And I'd love um, for people to tell you how they can connect with you, how they can find you. I make it really, really easy. Just go to chasingtheinsights.com. That's the home of my podcast. It's the home of my book. But there's links on there to me on social media and just yeah. reach out. I am very accessible. You're, you're not dealing with a VA when you uh, contact me on social. <laughs> it literally is me talking to you. And I'm always yeah. keen to jump on a call with people as well. So if anyone's got any challenges, anything that they're facing in marketing, they go, I this is a mess and I don't know what I'm doing. I'll jump on a call with you and give you a bit of clarity as well. So yeah. always keen to help. I love that. I love that so much, Fenton. Just thank you so much for the the wonderful person that you are and for what you're doing in the world and making the impact. I, I just love talking to people like you and just seeing that there are entrepreneurs in the world like you are just out there really caring more about people than um, yes. I always say, don't turn souls into sales. You've heard me say that you care way yeah. more about souls than you do about sales. And I just love that. So thank you again for coming on. And I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your day and we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. Oh, <laughs> 
And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Fartner Round Show. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I would love, love for you to join us on the next podcast recording. You can go to www.ashamayfernandez.com slash podcast to see our interview schedule and the link to join us live to get your questions answered, get some personalized feedback and one-on-one hot seat coaching from not only me, but the amazing guests that I bring on the show. So I hope to catch you in the next episode. And until then, I will smell you later.